And uh, thank you, Shanna and Shadi. It's really a great pleasure to have you join us tonight. Um, as Shanna mentioned, uh, the Sunset Series in Tribe Tel Aviv, we try to connect people to all aspects of Israel, and particularly someone from the different populations, the different communities of the state of Israel. It's a Jewish state, and we have many different populations who are here, who are with us, who are Israeli. And uh, in uh, two weeks ago, to Hamas, it didn't ma matter what your nationality was, what your religion was, uh, they attacked all Israelis. And so we particularly want to appreciate all the different communities who stand strong with Israel. And that's why we particularly appreciate that you're here tonight. Uh, let me give you some background about Shadi. Um, Shadi lives on the border. Shadi Ka Ka Kalul, is that how you pronounce it? Shadi yes. Kalul is a, a captain, on reserve captain in the IDF. He lives on the border with Lebanon. He is an Israeli Aramaic Christian Maronite from Kfar Birem and served as a lieutenant paratrooper in the IDF. He is chairman of the Aramaic Christian Association. Shadi is an entrepreneur and works to build bridges between Christians and Jews in Israel. He's also involved in activities to revive Aramaic Syriac as a spoken language among Maronites and other Christians and in Israel. And Shadi, as a student of Talmud, it particularly interests me. And uh, maybe you'll just tell us briefly about uh, the Aramaic, which uh, was really the Jewish popular language. It was like the Yiddish or the Ladino of the Jewish world around the time of the Romans and uh, is still studied by many Jews in the Talmud, in the Zohar, in many of our writings. And so to me, right. a community that still speaks it, and I know you're involved trying to keep it alive, uh, we'd like to hear about that. And of course, um, your understanding of uh being on the border with Lebanon, what's going on there, uh, and about the Maronite communities in Lebanon, how they're doing, and some of the history of it, because they were our allies uh, for many years now. And uh, it's a uh, a difficult history, and right now a difficult situation as well, as we know. So thank you for coming on, and I turn it over now to you, Shed. Thank you, Rabbi uh, Jonathan. Uh, thank you, Shana, for uh, your... Uh... Uh, holy work at this time to keep uh, the community together, tribe Tel Aviv together. That's very important. Uh, we need uh, unity at this time and uh, from all different backgrounds of Israelis and Jews uh, alike. Uh, I am uh, Shadi Khalul. I live here in northern Israel in Upper Galilee in uh, Jish or Gush Chalav. This is uh, a a biblical, let's say, town since uh, this is a, this is a biblical a town that uh, exists actually uh, back in actually uh, when the Roman took over here about the two thousand years ago with Titus uh, actually occupying this region. It was the last uh, stronghold for Jews who actually uh, lost the uh, battle against the Romans back then. And for 2,000 years afterward, they lost their land and their existence in the Holy Land. So um, uh, this town uh, today is inhabited by uh, Christian Maronites, 60%, and Muslim Arabs, uh, who uh, are 40%. Uh, around us, we have many Jewish communities, and we are about four kilometers from Israeli-Lebanese border, 4.6. So uh, this is about uh, the location of the town. And in, uh, when the, this war ends, I invite you all to come and visit us here. Uh, about uh, the community, who are the Maronites? and where they come from. Uh, so, first of all, the definition of Maronites is a Syriac Aramaic people who inhabited 
this region of what we call the Levant, or it was called in the Bible, the land of Aram. The land of Aram has different Aramaic kingdoms, Aram, Aram Damascus, Aram Naharaim, Aram Sova, uh, which is the Beka Valley of Lebanon, uh, Aram Gishor in Aram, which is the Golan Heights, and uh, those kingdoms of Aramaic kingdoms, actually the Jews, to remind you, the origins of Jews came from Aram Naharaim, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Leah, Rachel, Rebecca, all those we know in the Bible, Lavan Ha'arami, or Laban the Aramean. Who is Laban the Aramean? Is the father of Leah and Rachel. He is the brother of Rebecca. So if, if the Jews goes according to mother in their lineage, then the mothers were Arameans, Aramaic people. And uh, Jacob, who came from Aramaic mother, Rebecca, she's the daughter of Lavan Ha'arami, or Laban Ha'aramean, then he's Aramean too. And we can see the connection that uh, later on also continued between us. Uh, so those Arameans who we call them today Syriac Aramaic people, go in their lineage to Aram, to uh, the son of Noah, the son of Shem. So they are Semites, like the Jews, and direct brothers of the Jews, and maybe even uh, fathers of the Jews, I can say, and the mothers of the Jewish people. Then we have the Hebrews, Israelites, and then we're called Jews, and from the Jews we have Jesus in our uh, uh, as the Christians, uh, as believers of Christians, and we as Jesus, we don't deny he was a Jew. Nobody can deny that. He was from Jewish family, and we followed him in this land. Some of these early Christians or early Aramaic people who followed him were called according to his name. Uh, they believed on him as a Messiah, and they were called Messianics, and that's what we are called today. So we are Christians, the early followers of Jesus in the Galilee and in the region, and we are spread in different communities or uh, churches. One of them is called the Aramaic Maronite Church of Antioch, or the Syriac Maronite Church of Antioch. This church is, was established in 350 AD by a monk or priest that his name was Maroon, and Maroon means in Aramaic the little mister, because Mar in, in Aramaic, you know, is Adon in Hebrew. And Mar, eh, like a little mister, is Maroon in Aramaic. So everyone who followed this monk in the region of Aleppo and Antioch region, they were called them Maronites. And so in definition, they are Syriac, Aramaic, Phoenician people who speak the language of Aramaic. And when the Arab conquest started in the 7th century with Islam, the rise of Islam in 628 AD, they occupied and invaded the Levant. They actually succeeded on defeating the Byzantine Empire forces occupying Jerusalem in 638. They occupied Damascus in 637. And by then, actually, they imposed their caliphate, which is called the Islamic State, on the whole Middle East, include all the way to Spain. And they imposed their religion of Islam on the native people of the land, which were Aramaic, uh, Syriac people, believers of, 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 uh, of Christianity, or Jewish believers speaking the same language of those fellows of Christians in the region that spoke with them the Aramaic language in this region until the 7th century. That was the language of the Middle East, the international lingua franca of the Middle East back then. Those Maronites 
when the Arab conquest started, they didn't want to submit like other people to the Arab Islamic invasion. And they preferred to withdraw from the shores of northern Syria to upper valleys of Lebanon. And they isolated themselves on those high mountains and valleys. And they formed a military force led by the first patriarch of them, that which is means the first patriarch means the head of the church, the Maronite church uh, back then. His name was John Maroon. And this force contained 40,000 defenders or fighters that defended their last stronghold in the Middle East, in Mount Lebanon. And they succeeded, actually, to by, by defending themselves and not submitting to this evil, to actually exist until 1305 as autonomous region in the middle of Islamic world that was or, or became Islamic world after the Arab Islamic conquest. And this autonomous region was conquered. Finally, the Mamluks were succeeded to occupy them. And they burned their villages, killed their, the people, made a huge genocide, butchered them, beheading them, whatever you can see in Gaza today, it happened back then. And they were dhimmis, means dhimmis, it's like people who are non-Muslims under Sharia law, they are called dhimmis in Arabic. Ahli zimma, they call them. I know Arabic, so, you know, that's what it's called. I learned this history in Arabic. So they call them Ahli zimma, means dhimmis. And dhimmis, are non-Muslims in the rule under Islam, under Islamic rule, and they have a lower status in the Islamic state, not even second-class citizens, maybe the lowest-class citizen, and they need to pay tax protection for the Muslims in order not to harm their people and their babies or ladies or a woman or daughters, that was one of the rules of Islam, to pay tax protection. What about if you don't have time, if you have enough money to pay tax protection? Then you need to pay by giving your daughter or your, your woman or your wife as sex slaves for ISIS forces back then, or leave this area, migrate. So that's how the Middle East changed its face from a majority of Aramaic-speaking people to Arabic-speaking majority within time. Then after the Mamluks, we have the Ottomans. The Ottomans also persecuted our forefathers and people since, 19, since 1517. And in 1860, in this area where I live today, there was a, a, a village called Kfar Baram, or Kfar Baram, where I come from, or my forefathers came from. And my family name, Khalul, or Kalul in English, you cannot pronounce the Kha, but Khalul is actually named according to our grand-grandfather who was burned alive in the Ottoman attack with their allies at that time in 1860, burning him alive and massacring seven people in our town and burning the church just for being Christians, just for being Maronites. And this attack, their, his wife and children decided after this attack to call their family, instead of Jacob or Yaakov, to call their family Khalul, according to his name, to memorize his name forever. And that's how our family became called Khalul, and we still carry his name until today. Who stopped these massacres, my friends? It, that didn't happen only here 
it's just example of my personal uh, history of my family. But it happened with all our people, about 200,000 people were massacred in Mount Lebanon by them. 200,000 Maronite Christian Aramaic people, innocent people that has nothing to defend themselves, no way to defend themselves. So we have the British and French and Ottoman uh, and Austrian, sorry, um, uh, Austrian uh, forces, which is the uh, Austrian-Hungarian Empire, sent 10,000 troops to Lebanon to stop the massacres. And these massacres were stopped and gave finally the Ottomans, uh, sorry, the Maronites, a unique status under Ottomans, defended or protected by France with autonomous region in Mount Lebanon for them to be protected and rule themselves. The Ottomans, my friends, didn't like that in 1914 when the First World War started. They revenged against the Maronites because they were protected by France and Britain. And they massacred them and made a huge genocide against our people again. <clears throat> and one third of our people were annihilated from a starvation policy, famine imposed by the Ottomans in Mount Lebanon and made a genocide against the Syriac Aramaic Orthodox people, another Christian sect of Aramaic people in South in Northeast Syria and Southeast Turkey, which is called Tur Abdin. Many people, 750,000 people were killed, my friends. And their communities today scattered all over the place. Our people are 12 million people worldwide. In Lebanon, we have only 1 million left. And in Middle East, maybe another 1 million scattered in Syria, Iraq, and Turkey. And all the rest are scattered in Western countries, in USA, in Canada, in Switzerland, in Holland, in Germany, in Sweden, in South America, are scattered in all different diasporas, not because we love to, to leave our homeland and our homes and lands. It's because of genocide and persecution. With all that said, the Maronites of Lebanon still, still fight for their existence. And I can remind you, and I will remind you, if you don't know, in the 1930s, when the Jewish people, the Zionist movement, had ambitions to build a homeland for persecuted Jews in this world, in their historical lands in Israel. The Maronites, Syriac, Aramaic Christian people of Lebanon were the only people who loudly asked the Jews to come and stay with them in Lebanon. They helped Jews from the Nazi Germany and they invited them to Lebanon in 1937. It's written in the Zionist archive of Jerusalem today, in the central Zionist archives. And I have the documents. I made the research about that, my friends. And later on, <clears throat> not only inviting them to Lebanon, the ships that, uh, uh, boats that came from Europe to Lebanon with Jews were taken by Maronites to the borders with, between the French and British mandate, which is Lebanon border, Israeli Lebanon border today, to our town, Baram or Kfar Baram, which is in the British mandate uh, side. And through that only Maronite town, they smuggled them there and took them to the Jewish agency in Haifa by a bus owned by our people. 
and his name was Nakhli Buban. He was the owner of the bus in the British mandate. All what I'm telling you is written, documented in the IDF archives, in the Zionist archives, in the foreign ministry archives. And another, another uh, evidence of this alliance between us and the Jews for saving their lives and their existence as two minorities in this, in this Middle East, threatened by this ISIS around them, was in 1947, when the Maronite Christian patriarch, Anton Arida, sent a letter, a, a recommendation to the United Scope which is UNSCOP, United Nations Special Committee on Palestine. He wrote a recommendation to build a homeland for the Jews and divide this country with giving a homeland for the Jews because this is what should be done. And with this homeland being a neighbor for a Lebanon as a Christian uh, Lebanon, both nations will live in peace uh, and defend each others in this region and help each other to exist. This was our dream and plan and vision for the region, peace. But some people unfortunately didn't want peace. Some people didn't want to accept the existence of the Jews and us as ruling Lebanon. To remind you, in 1920, the Maronites were the majority of Lebanon, like the Jews are the majority of Israel today. The Maronites were 80%. The Jews today in Israel, 80%. And I'm not saying that in order to tell you history, my friends. I am telling you each of these pieces of information because people don't know what happened in this region. And it happened for a neighboring people, nation, close to you, allies of you, wanted peace with you. And because of this, they were attacked by the Arab neighbors and by the Islamic nations. They didn't want to see Lebanon and Israel establishing peace with each others. So they attacked the Maronites in Lebanon <clears throat> and they took their, all their power in this country and switched it to the Sunni and Shia Muslims in the 1975 to 1990 war. And since then, Lebanon, instead of staying Switzerland of the Middle East under a Maronite Christian control to a disaster and failure country as of today, controlled by Iran and by Hezbollah and terrorist Islamic Shia organization of Hezbollah. That their main aim is to wipe out any Jewish existence in this region and controlling also the Maronites of Lebanon and not allowing them to prosper and have peace with the Jews in this land, as they wanted to do. Shadi, are you in so, touch with any of the Maronites in Lebanon? Yes, and I'm going to tell you now about the situation, yeah. what's going on the ground now. After I told you all this together, now I'm going to ask you our, to know, or I will in, provide you information about the current situation. <clears throat> I live here in the border, and I have the same fears like the Jews have as a Christian. And I share with you as a father my fears. If Hezbollah, this monster that 
actually exist in our Lebanese border will be able to infiltrate the borders. Then we all will suffer and Israel, at least in the Galilee, they will take out the Galilee. And that's a serious threat. No one from Jewish communities that were evacuated will return to this region if Hezbollah will stay in our borders. And I can say sadly and thankfully, Hezbollah didn't attack here because he could surprise us and Israel would be under at least the Galilee under their control today and we will be the hostages and not the people of South Israel. All Jewish communities and the borders will be taken by them. <clears throat> I'm telling you about a force that count at least 80,000 reservists with 30,000 just soldiers normal soldiers, everyday soldiers, and about 5,000 Radwan elite force, well-trained and experienced in civil war of Syria, standing with Assad to butcher his people, butchering Syrian people. They didn't have mercy in Syrian people, and they will not have mercy in us as well. It's a huge threat, my friends, to the existence of Israel. This is not a war of land or territories. It's a war of independent of Israel, a second war of independent, what we see here. They want to annihilate the Jews and Israel, and we will not allow it. And they take the Christians of Lebanon, as of I am speaking with you now, in neighboring town called Ermesh, a Christian Maronite town, just where we live, five kilometers from here, behind the border with Lebanon, in the Lebanon territories. They took this town as hostages now. The Hezbollah terrorist fighters, <clears throat> they go to Christian towns, they fire anti-missile rockets from there to tanks in Israel, to soldiers and communities, hoping that the IDF will respond to the sources of fire that are in the edge or the suburbs of the Christian town and destroying the Christian homes. They already doing it now. We have people there calling their families here and telling them what they are seeing in their eyes. And they seeing a lot of terrorists in the border, in the other side, hiding between the bushes and the forests. It's a real threat, my friends. It's not only in the south. It's in Lebanon, it's in Syria. Hezbollah built another front with Iran in Syria to attack Israel also from the Golan Heights. It's called a unification of fronts. And we as Christians here are worried like the Jews because at the end, we have the same destiny here as two minorities. The Jews, that's true, they are majority in Israel, but in this region, they are a minority like us. And we prefer to live under Jewish state because the Jewish state has a democracy and has a values. <clears throat> and we share with them a common values of democracy, of freedom, of liberty. And these people will not allow us to live this way if they, God forbid, will control this land. So of course, together we are together in this battle. We will fight together with the Jews against this evil that want to take us to the Middle Ages. I am worried for my Christian people there because I know that if this war will go to, into full scale, also in Lebanon, those Christians that are used as a human shield by Hezbollah now and as uh, hostages, their towns will suffer as well because they are using them as human shields. Israel will attack that through. We will have a lot of, of uh, damage in our towns and communities in Israel. From the border up to Haifa and maybe further. But let me tell you something. 
the other side will lose. I am sure about it. It will take time. But they will lose and the suffer in Lebanon will be much greater. So it's better for them not to do this act. I hope there are some smart people there that will prevent this war. But if it will be open, we will have a damage in our community, but their damage and destructions in this failure country that already have no food and no organized system will not anymore exist as a state. So I am worried for my people because they will suffer from people who want to use them as a human shield, yes. And I hope Israel will know how to differentiate between the good people and evil people there. And I'm calling my people in every opportunity that I have in the media, in all type of journalists that comes to get a briefing from me here in the borders now, I'm calling my people not to collaborate with this evil and not allowing them as much as they can, because they are peaceful people, they don't have guns, to prevent these terrorist gunmen to enter their towns. So, <clears throat> and at the end, before I open questions, I will keep together with you, Rabbi Jonathan, pray for peace. But peace will come only after we defeat this evil. Peace don't come by itself. Peace will not come if this evil will keep existing and continue to exist from Iran, which is the head of that snake, is there sitting, planning this activities, hostile activities against Jews and Israel and all our people who are not actually part of the Shia world. Even Saudi Arabia today against them. And now Saudi Arabia are watching, are watching who will win this war. Because Saudi Arabia will not make peace with Israel if the Israelis are weak. They will not risk themselves. So it is important. We are actually in important Software. moments of history. And we hope we will prevail and we will win this war and peace will come afterward. Thank you so much, Shadi. I am awake. <laughs> I'm certainly awake after that after that discussion. Um, I encourage everyone. I see that some people have already put some questions into the chat. I encourage everyone to put their questions into the chat. In the meantime, while I wait for a couple more people to put their questions in, I want to, I'm going to go journalist style on you, Shadi. Uh, during our discussion before you came on board to do the uh, Sunset Series, you mentioned two things to me that I wanted you to bring into this conversation. One was you had mentioned a terrible pogrom in which uh, fighters had came into your community and thrown people off the roofs of buildings. And I thought that was really important. And you had also mentioned a time that the Jewish people had come together to support the Christians in your community in the North. So I thought that you could share that story of inspiration. And one yeah. other thing that you said to me was that you don't intend on investing one more penny in property or in the state of Israel, if the state of Israel does not commit to eradicating Hezbollah. And I thought that was that was interesting and important. So if you could hit on both of those topics while people put their questions in the chat, that would be great. Okay. So my community as a Maronite people here in this region, as a native people, were attacked by the PLO, which is... Lee, PLO, to people who doesn't know who is PLO, is, is led by Arafat, the Fatah party. In, 19, in the 70s, these people were attacking Israel from Jordan borders. And 
they start demonstrating, the Palestinians in Jordan start demonstrating against King Hussein, the father of this king today. King Hussein, in order to calm down the situation and the riots against him and the demonstrations, it was risking his actually kingdom. He I will tell you something very, very, actually, it's history. He killed them. He butchered them. He drove with tanks on people, killing thousands, and throwing those terrorists that were fighting him in Jordan to Lebanon, led by Arafat. All Arab and Islamic world stood with Hussein attacking Palestinians and condemning them that they didn't respect the country that hosted them. They told them to go to Lebanon. There is a Christian Maronite regime. You can fight Israel from South Lebanon and make a mess in this country. And Arafat claimed when he came to Lebanon, I will liberate Jerusalem starting from Junior, means from North Lebanon, which is a proper Maronite Christian town. What Lebanon, I mean Jerusalem, is south, and this town is the north of Lebanon. But he went first to liberate this area and then go to Lebanon, to Jerusalem. And he went to South Lebanon and he started making an area, controlling an area called Fatahlan. And he created this area in South Lebanon close to the border with Israel and started firing rockets and sending terrorists to infiltrate the border and kill communities in the northern border, Israeli communities. And Israel actually retaliated back, and they did a operation called uh, Shlom HaGalil, the first Lebanese war. During 1976 time, those terrorists, Fatahlan terrorists, or Palestinian terrorists led by Arafat and the Syrian army and the Arab world, all the Islamic Arab world, my friends, ISIS from Somalia, from Afghanistan, from Libya, from uh, Morocco, from Tunisia, from Egypt, from all the Islamic and Arab world joined the Arabic Palestinian terrorists to kill and annihilate the Christians of Lebanon. They attacked a town called Damur, and you can write in your YouTube, Damur, D-A-M-O-U-R, Damur Massacre. In 1976, 582 Christian peaceful people by the shores of the Mediterranean were killed, massacred. They took babies, children, throw them from the third floor and shooting them like ducks. They took females, raping them. They took the male tying them to a cars and driving them with the cars, tied to the cars. Very brutal killing and massacres happened there. People were shot in the church, hiding in churches and in their homes, family, entire families, like happened in Gaza today. And the world did nothing. So what do you expect us to do now? What do you expect my people to do? To just look at them? What is Israel is doing because this massacre, genocidal massacre attack of ISIS happened? Are we not fighting them now? Trying to get rid of them? Eliminating them? Are we wrong of doing so? This is exactly what we did back then, or my people did. But we were accused of being 
phalange, extremists, right wing. They accuse us that we, the people of Lebanon, we are the evil and they are the good ones. It's exactly like accusing the Jews today. They are the bad ones and the Palestinians are the good ones and everyone demonstrating now, hypocrite in the Western world, in the streets of New York and Washington and New and LA and all over for the Palestinian people. You forgot what they did two weeks ago. They forgot they took a woman as sex slaves, raping her. I saw the video, I was of burning children in Gaza, uh, uh, surrounding Gaza communities. I can't, I can't even imagine how, I mean, is it people? Animals cannot do that. So Israel is responding like we responded back then, but we were accused as the ones who are wrong. Like Jews are exactly now accused of being wrong. So you need to know who we are fighting here. And we didn't occupy them, my friends. You need to know that fact. We didn't occupy them. We didn't go to Gaza. They came to us. And because we are different and because we want to have peace with Israel, they destroyed us. So my community, sorry, but some liberals today in this world start making videos against us and not because we don't have money. We are poor. The Arabs have money. They have funds. They have oil. And they did what they did in movies, showing us as the bad people. And some Jews collaborated with them. And I warning Jews, I warned them that Jews, don't collaborate with the evil. This evil, don't differentiate between you and us. And when they can, they will destroy you. And nobody listens. So in, in investing in this region, I will not invest penny. I have home. I'm building a home here, <clears throat> a new home. I will not complete it. If this enemy will not be eradicated, if this enemy, Hezbollah, in our border, which my home will be 4.6 kilometers from this border, will keep being here. I will not complete this house. I will sell it and buy a house outside, home outside Israel. And it's not only me saying that. All my community, I, I hear it every day. That's what I am say, uh, hearing. I, I hear it from Jews. I have many Jewish friends here <clears throat> and surrounding Jewish communities. No one will invest and no one seeing a future in this region if Hezbollah will continue being here because they will wake up one day and find them among our communities killing, raping, butchering, beheading people and taking hostages with them to Lebanon and will occupy the Galilee and maybe after one week or two weeks or a month only might be liberated again by Jewish IDF army. Sadi, we have a question from Michelle. Uh, she wrote a few questions in the chat. I'll read them to you. If Maronites in the diaspora move back to Lebanon, do you think there is any chance they can gain control back from Hezbollah? You want to, uh, she put yes. three questions in the chat. So you want to Very that. good question. I, I, I see the question and I love this question because it's incredibly very, very good one. And I wish, I wish peace will come to Lebanon so the Maronites will be able to come back. But they don't want peace to Lebanon. They want Lebanon, I'm telling you again, their strategy, Iran, and the Arab Islamic fanatic organizations. I'm not talking about all Arabs now. I'm talking about the fanatic 
Islamic organizations like Hamas, like Jihadic Islam or Islamic Jihad, like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda, like Boko Haram, and which is in Africa, but all those jihadi organizations of representing the extremist Muslims in this Islamic world, which can count to 300 million people. I'm talking about 1.6 million people of Islamic people, which let's say 15 to 20% would be very extremist and believing in this ideology. It's a huge amount, almost like the United States of America population. So if, if Lebanon will not have peace, tranquility, the Maronites will not come to Lebanon and invest money on Lebanon. They are very successful businessmen worldwide. In Brazil, 5 million people, very rich, very well uh, involved in politics, They in business. Together with Jews, they're doing businesses together in Brazil. I know from being a candidate for the parliament of Israel, I was a candidate for Israel Biteno party in uh, number 11 in the list of Lieberman back then in 2020 as the only Christian uh, guy in Israel, like having IDF background uh, and uh, representing the needs of his people in Israel. Lieberman told me, if you will be elected as a Knesset member or parliament member, you need to go to the caucus of Brazil-Israel committee because I, when I visited Brazil, I saw many, many Maronites married to Jews or Jews married to Maronites, and they are together having a very big successful businesses, and they can donate to your people and your community can build factories and prosper in Israel through having uh, some business people who can invest here in your community. So these people want, will not invest in Lebanon, Michelle. These people, if Lebanon will stay this way, controlled by Iran and Hezbollah, there is no reason to invest in it because all the money will go to the wrong people. They will invest in Lebanon only if they will have a federal system. And this will take me to your the other uh, question. <clears throat> what, uh, what do you think a solution would be? Uh, the solution for Lebanon is this country is a failure country and should be divided and make a new system, which is called federalism, like Switzerland. Federalism means the Maronites and Christians of Mount Lebanon with the northern shores of the Mediterranean, where they live as homogeneous societies, they should form autonomous region, rule themselves, managing themselves. And the Shia Muslims who are in the south and Beka Valley, let them manage themselves. And Sunnis who are in other parts of Lebanon, in Tripoli and other parts, they should rule themselves. And together, they have a federal system without anyone controlling each other's that have different cultures and gap in cultures and visions for the region. Then Maronites will come and invest in Lebanon and make it prosper. And I can tell you, maybe this division will create also competition because some of them will go for peace with Israel. So, uh, how can Israel support Maronites in Israel? I, I can tell you that uh, through my work as the head of uh, Aramaic NGO, I succeeded in 2014 to convince the Israeli government to recognize our people as Aramaic people. And finally, we were able to register ourselves in the ID cards as Israeli Aramaic people and not Israeli Arab people, which has nothing to do with my forefathers and w- that were killed by them. It's insane to register people in something that they don't belong to. And if I was born as a female, I want to be registered as a female because I'm a female and proud female. And you cannot register me as a male if I didn't ask you first. And when you've discovered that and you want to fix this 
for a, a registration. The state tells you, no, I can't. I tried for seven years until I succeeded and they gave my people. And now I ask my government and I have a plan for, for them to empower Maronites by building for us the only Christian Maronite Aramaic speaking town who can serve in IDF in compulsory and together lead the Christian society in Israel for a beautiful model of coexistence in Israel which will benefit Israel in its battle against anti-Semites worldwide and anti-Israeli propaganda in the world, showing that Israel knows as a strong country how to make justice with minorities who are loyal to them. And then my Arabs also, who want to live with Israel and not fight Israel, will take this as a model in front of them that they can adopt. And maybe peace will come afterward or better coexistence will come because you must grant at least some type of of um, I don't want to call it a price for being a a good citizen because we should be good citizens without expecting anything. But I want to compensate people who are loyal from the minority side as like the Maronites and this will lead the way and open way for Arabs to follow as well this model. So we want to be the agent of peace and coexistence here and that's what we are asking. Amazing. I think Shadi, perhaps the word that you were looking for is recognition. Yes. Okay, great. So, and and the final question, we have a, two more questions. It says here, some Maronites, this is from Michelle, some Maronites were granted citizenship from Lebanon after, due to their loyalty during the wars. Are any other Maronites being granted citizenship to Israel due to their family ties or any other, are there any other avenues of access for Lebanon, uh, for Maronites in Lebanon to become naturalized in Israel? Yes, uh, we have many families here, like ties of not family, but marriage. Uh, We have Lebanese Maronites, uh, ladies who are today in their original towns, their families are taking, uh, used as human shields, and they I have this news for you about a human shield from them, actually, because they live here in, in my town and they are friends of mine. They, these ladies are married to our Maronite uh, men here, and they become Israeli citizens even before Israel withdrew from South Lebanon. And I'm talking about uh, the 80s and 90s of uh, 1990s, 1980s, and 2000, they were they become Israeli citizens and they have a citizenship today just because of this marriage. So uh, yes, it is uh, happening and it is allowed. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that uh, today there is a risk uh, of what we call it the the Arab uh, from Palestine or from the West Bank or from Judea and Samaria. They learn that if they get married here, they will be eligible for citizenship, Israeli citizen, and expand the Arab population, so they will take the Jews in numbers. So they were, uh, according to Islamic law, you can come and marry here and then divorce, or because in our side we cannot divorce, and we will not bring more. You can come here, you can marry four women, a Muslim guy can marry four women from there and make many kids as they want and then divorce one and bring another one. And this way they expand the Muslim communities in the triangle of Israel that is adjacent to the border with the with the Samaria. And Israel noticed that and they stopped this process. And at the end, we also got affected by that. But 
all our Maronite ladies who are married before, they already Israeli citizens. Wow, that, that's very interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. We have uh, Rabbi Jonathan Feldman would like to know how many Maronites live in Israel? We have uh, about, okay, the Christian population in total is 181,000 Christians, about 2%, 2.1% of Israeli population. Among them, about 10,000 uh, Maronites, 7,500 are natives like us, like myself, Israeli, and 2,500 uh, came with Israel uh, when Israel withdrew from South Lebanon from uh, different communities in South Lebanon, uh, like Tle'ar, uh, Mej, Debel, Anibel, and those communities in South Lebanon that are Maronites. And Michelle wants to know, we know that you served in the IDF, but do Maronites typically serve in the IDF? <clears throat> okay, according to the state law, we are not uh, supposed, like we are not obliged to serve. So we serve on an, a voluntary basis. We have 30% of service rate in our community in voluntary which is a, it's, it's a big rate to, you know, to say as a voluntary, it's 30%. It's not, uh, not a very uh, um, little uh, percentage. But uh, I can say that we are in the process of encouraging more and more youth to serve. And that's why I have a Jewish Christian program in the Sea of the Galilee called Kenneret. It's one of the kind program in Israel that I established back in 2017, we are in the seventh draft, 25 Jews with 25 Christian Israelis, among them Maronites, uh, joined uh, this program each year. They train together, study together, uh, navigate together, learn about leadership and positive leadership, and from there they go and serve together in different units in the IDF, and we are actually building here a future leadership in Israel that know how to live together and how to defend each other and defend Israel at the same time. This is how we change Israel for good. And I want to bring this program to, uh, sorry, I want to expand this program to more other programs. I don't want only one. I see the effect of this on our people. And I want to have another two of them because I don't want to miss any youth who love Israel from our community and want to serve, but I don't have enough space for him on our program. I don't want him to miss that, and I want him to have the opportunity to succeed and be a leader in this society, Israeli society, together with the Jews. Wow, kola kavod. I feel so, this was so inspiring. Um, okay, I, I'm go. I I have one last question. If you could address it, Michelle wants to know if a Maronite were not living in Israel, what is the next safest place for Maronites to live in the Middle East, North Africa region? Cyprus. Oh. <laughs> ah. I would say Cyprus. I was in Cyprus not uh, last. Uh... Like before this war started, I was eight days in Cyprus and I enjoyed every minute and I came on Wednesday and all of a sudden two days after I wake up to the, and I have, you know, myself and I am, I am director of strategic partnership at Alma Research and Education Center, which is like, a, a, it's a center that provide research about Israel's security challenges and northern borders. So we are researching Hezbollah, we research Iran, uh, Shia proxies, and all this uh, world that Israel is dealing with now. And I, I saw, you know, my cell phone, like, a lot of messages in the morning. And I was like, what's happening? I mean, usually Alma don't, don't work on Saturday. I mean, this is... So I was, like, watching, opening the cell phone, and all of a sudden, after two days from being happy in Cyprus, I saw this bad news that I was shocked. I didn't believe it. I, I thought it's like a joke. 
as a, honestly, I saw the first video when these guys, these terrorists come with a Toyota and shooting the police uh, 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 patrol uh, car. I said, is it real? I mean, this is not here. And I look again, I see what? It's, it's real, it's a police. And then another video and another video. And then I opened the, the, v, the TV uh, and I saw Israel in war. Wow. It, it is a shocking moment for me. I, I didn't believe. I, until today, cannot believe because I am officer. I am, I am a major in paratroopers. I served my country. I'm still serving my country. I can't believe this happened. And I cannot digest how it happened. Well, thank you so much for for speaking us through it, Shadi, and not only for for giving us a really important history lesson. So many of us at Tribe Tel Aviv are in there. We're in our 20s and 30s. So I think you really gave people a little taste of history that they themselves didn't live through. Perhaps our parents lived through the first Lebanon war, but not us. So I think that it was very eye opening. And in addition to that, I'm really, really inspired about all of the work that you're doing to try to promote peace, create programs where people can meet one another, encourage service in the IDF, encourage being a patriot, a patriot and a good citizen. And, um, and we are very grateful for your time. Whoever's on the call, if you're, if you're able to, uh, why don't you put on your, um, your, uh, audio, and we'll give a clap for Shadi for all of his amazing work. And Shadi, I just wanted to add that um, uh, it's very poignant to hear the Maronite history, and unfortunately, your people also has had, suffered a lot, um, unfortunately, at the hands of Islam. And uh, so, as you mentioned, our people have uh unfortunate bond in the negative so we should build more positive bonds in a positive way and thank you for your contribution tonight uh to the state of israel the people of israel and um we're proud to have citizens like you uh in in israel thank you rabbi thank you rabbi jonathan i am ready to do anything with you and with other people to partner with our organization for uh, fighting anti-Semitism and fighting against the propaganda of BDS and whoever it is, because at the end, this is the only democracy enjoy it here all together from different backgrounds in the Middle East. And we should keep it strong and safe for everyone. So together with you guys in the US and here, wherever you are, as Jews, please keep strong. Don't don't give up. Don't give up. We don't have any privilege to give up. And we are with you. And together we will win this evening. Thank you, Shadi. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Shadi, for answering all my questions. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> now I see you. <laughs> yeah, hi. This is very, very interesting talk. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Michelle. Always welcome to visit us. If you in good times, I invite you to come and visit my community. I will take you for a tour. <laughs> And we will arrange that with Shana. I I tried to I tried to get a wine trip in in the. Oh, I'm gonna try to organize better. a wine trip somewhere in the middle. A lot of wineries we have here. Yeah, uh, you're true. you're on the back of Mount Meron, correct? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And in Baram, there's a beautiful ancient synagogue. Also, I've been there. So this is Baram, where our forefather used to live, and this is where they smuggled Jews. In the Holocaust time, through there to the Jewish agency in Haifa. It was the only Maronite town. But some people want to call it Palestinian Arab in order not to make justice and make Israeli fear from doing justice with Maronites, which are not Palestinians and not Arabs, but Lebanese Aramaic origins. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, politics, <laughs> unfortunately. But we will do it. Don't worry. In our positive way, we will make it happen. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Everybody's thanking you in the chat for for all the information. Um, 
Shadi, thank you again. And we'll be in touch about a beautiful trip to the North and the future. God willing, God willing, we should have a quiet time for us to enjoy our beautiful Amen. country together. Times of peace. Amen. Thank you. And, uh, Nice to have you all join us. Stay tuned for next week. We'll be getting out in the next day or two our speaker for next week on the Sunset Series on Zoom. And thank you, Shanna, for uh, listening. And um, have a good evening, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night. God bless. Good night.